This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hello listeners and welcome back to another episode of the No Near Never podcast. Note the date and the time in the ship's log. The Clarets have wrapped up their first home win of the 2023-2024 Premier League season. And if you're going to win your first game at home, what a way to do it. I am joined this week by regular panellists Rich Steele and Tom Whittaker, who'll be going back over that Sheffield United win. We might even get Tom in a bit of a good mood, who knows. And then we are, of course, joined by resident statistician Dave Roberts, who's going to be giving us all the stats and facts you need ahead of the Clarets away trip at Wolves midweek. So without further ado, let's go. Gentlemen, welcome. What is this? We are doing an analysis show of a Burnley win. This is incredible news. Welcome, everybody. How are we all feeling? Yeah, very good, very good. Uh, still happy with the win. Uh, I think it's now. almost a shame. Yeah, on cloud nine. It's almost a shame we've got a game tomorrow. <laughs> to bring us all back down to earth. But we're not going to worry about that. We'll worry about that in a second part. We'll see. I know. Yeah. Tom, the key question that all of our listeners want to know is, did that result manage to pull you out of this bad move you've been in since August? Uh, well, I really enjoyed it. Yes, I'm a heart of stone to be in a bad mood after a 5 one wasn't you? So, yeah. I, met, well, uh, I, thought, I thought you Andrew, were getting there. I thought that it was certainly like a soft concrete was your heart. It might not have turned to stone yet, but it was getting that way. <laughs> well, I bumped into Andrew Blythe there before the game on Saturday and he told me to to try and uh, be a bit less negative on the podcast. So, Do you know uh, what? I love Andrew. Yeah. Well Hot done, guy. Andrew. What a guy. We've all given up on him. So Andrew Blythe is an absolute legend and a true Claret fan. We love him. So immediate reaction to that 5-0 thumping of Sheffield United at home on Saturday. I'm going to open up the floor to Rich, who, listeners, I've got to say, has been unwavering in his determination to stay faithful to the Clarets. When we've all got grumpy and we've been sulking because we've lost nine on the bounce or something ridiculous and we were all feeling sorry for ourselves rich was pulling us all out of our mood and telling us to keep the faith and you did say as well rich at the beginning of the season that whilst you thought we'd get thumped at least five nil maybe not as regularly as we thought we would do by an away team you thought that we had a five nil win in us kick us off how are you feeling right now yeah it's obviously really nice to be on the back of the win 
I just want to point it out, listeners. I've not been happy that we've been losing every week. I think for <laughs> me, you know, the the West Ham game the week before was a real sickness. I don't take football home as much as I used to. You know, now I'm getting a little bit older, but that sat- last Saturday night, well, the West Ham Saturday night was quite a tough one. I think from my point of view, it's just kind of that message of ultimately, you know, we're supporters of Burnley Football Club as as much as we want us to win every week, we've got no entitlement to win every week and we support Burnley. We don't support Barcelona. We don't support Man City. You know, there's going to be tough times and there's going to be tough periods supporting Burnley. And what do we do? Do you kind of just go, well, I'm, I can't be bothered anymore until we start winning again. And when we win again, it'll all, all be sound. I'll get back on. Or do you go and support your team, you know, through, through thick and thin and get behind the players, get behind the manager, um, you know, and and ultimately, I think overall the fans have been superb, and I think the majority mm. of fans have you know have really backed the team. And um, there's been a lot of stuff off the pitch about atmosphere and flags and you know and different things like that. But ultimately, you know, the team's got to perform as well to get the atmosphere going. And I think from my standpoint, I was getting more concerned and worried after the Bournemouth, Brentford, and Everton games where it was really poor. And then Palace, Arsenal and obviously West Ham. Yeah, there were three losses, but I thought we actually played quite well in those games. Yeah. And to me, I will always fully back a team and a you know and a and a, and a playing squad who is who is fully trying. And I've not seen a lack of effort or anything this year. I've just seen a lack of quality at times, a lack of naivety. Um and I just think I've just tried to be quite balanced. And just because we've won beat Sheffield United, who who were very, very poor side. Mm. doesn't mean all of a sudden we're going to go on and, and, and beat everybody in our site. But I think the way we won, how emphatically we won, I think hopefully we'll take some confidence into the next games. But the Premier League's an unforgiving beast. People may disagree with me on, on this. Um, I think since we were successful in the Premier League, when I mean successful, we had a top-half finish and obviously the Europe season, I generally think the standard of the Premier League's got a lot better now. No, I think yeah. even I think even those teams who are kind of like lower mid table are are a, are a lot stronger than when than than when we come seventh. You've seen the money that's been spent, and everyone was saying, "Well, you know, we spent hundred million in the summer, which is a hell of a lot of money for Burnley." And I'm, I'm and I'd never say it wasn't. And I think something that Tom got right when we was all getting a bit excited. You know, Tom was always very unsure about the recruitment and as it's turned out, our recruitment has be, has been un, imbalanced and there's a lot of gaps on the pitch. But ultimately, 100 million now, whether you like it or not, no. it, it doesn't even really scratch the surface of what you need. You know, you look at what Forrest has spent over, you know, nearly two years in the Premier League or three transfers in the Premier League. I don't know the figures. Um, I imagine it'll be upwards of 200 million. And uh, if it wasn't for Everton, they'd be essentially 17th with all that money spent. So it is a brutal, it's an unforgiving league. Yeah, yes, I we've agree. not built ourselves. Yes, at times, companies made baffling decisions. Um, but ultimately, you know, I'll always be, you know, I'll support Burnley, whether the top of the Premier League or bottom of the National League. I'll I'll kind of always be there and always turn up because I think that's what you've got to do as a football supporter. Yeah, I agree. I think it's it's the age old it's the age old argument, isn't it? We are Burnley supporters, and whilst we've not loved this season, um, we have always we've all still turned up and we've been there and we've followed them and we've we've stuck with them. And um, it's the fan in you that craves that entertainment. It's the fan in you that doesn't like getting beat every week because we are, you know, we go there because it's a pastime. We want to see us win. Um, Tom, picking up on one of the things that Rich said there, a lot has been made this season about. 
the poorness of the three promoted sides and the golfing class between them. And if you look at the three other sides who were supposed to be our relegation rivals, so you've got Forest, you've got Everton, you've got uh, uh, Forest, Everton, and who's the other one? Bournemouth, Bournemouth thank you. Um, they all look significantly stronger than we do, and they're supposed to be our nearest rivals. Um, that said, playing Luton and seeing that Sheffield United side at the weekend, I, I, um, I feel quite good about the future of this current project there that we're on, um, even if it does result in the likely relegation this season. Seeing how much more positive we were than Sheffield United, how much more technically um, improved we were, how much more positive we were, how much more forward-thinking our manager was, and the youth and potential in that side, as opposed to a Sheffield United side who was a who didn't really seem to have much of an identity or much of a plan of how to proactively win a game. Even if we do go down this season, that's got to make you feel more comfortable with how we're going to go in the next two to three years. I think it depends really on what sort of team we're going to have next season. Um, if if we do go down, and, and I I actually said on the on the trip off, even if we were in five 0 for that, I still think we'll go down. I wasn't expecting to strike five 0 but uh, yeah. yeah, I think it's still pretty likely. Um, it depends what you know. The, the, we've spent a lot of money, as Rich said, and, and as he said, it's perhaps not a lot of money these days in Premier League terms, but it certainly is in our terms. We are going to have to sell if we get out, and there's going to be players who don't want to be here next season. I can't imagine I'm doing playing a season in the Championship. I think he's too good for that. Um, I'm not sure about Burge. Maybe we'd keep him, maybe we wouldn't. Uh, I think it's pretty likely we're going to get a bid for Colliosho, um, and he'll go if we get relegated. Um, so then, it, you know, then you wonder, is Trezor going to want to play in the Championship? Is Ramsey going to want to play in the Championship? I'm not sure. Uh, I'm, I'm honestly not sure. And until we know what the team looks like next season, I think it's kind of hard to say how well we'll do. Um, we saw, obviously, last time we were in it that the Championship is quite a weak league. Um, you can see that the teams who came down last season are the teams who are up there now. Uh, I don't think Southampton came down very well and yet they're sort of comfortably in the, in the top four. Um You'd imagine Leicester are going to go up. You'd think probably one of Leeds or something well as well. Um, and if Sheffield United and come down as weak as they are, Luton obviously haven't got the finance, then yeah, I suppose it just gives you a bit of confidence that, that next season will be a bit of an easy season. But I think it's a bit it's a bit too early to say. It's, it, it's quite hard to judge at this stage, especially not knowing what the team's going to be. Because I imagine if we do go down, it's going to be another season like we've had the last two where there's loads of people leaving and loads of people coming in and it seems to be the way company likes to do it. Yeah, um, yeah, it's a really good point to that. Actually, we keep hearing this justification of a three-year project and buying these players who are going to come to fruition, who are going to be um, at their peak in two to three years, three years time. But if we're going to sell them every summer, then are we not in a in a perpetual cycle of always being with these players who aren't yet quite ready? I think that is potentially a flaw in this justification that we're being fed that we're in a three to five year plan so that is definitely something to watch out for um Dave very quickly um obviously the game was helped significantly by um uh, Sheffield I keep saying Southampton because you put Southampton in the head uh, Sheffield United having to play a significant number of minutes with only 10 men I've looked at this a couple of times now it was actually ended up being two elbows pretty identical tackle both of them two yellows so VAR couldn't look at it um to comment on the red um I know where I sit with this, so I'm going to put it to you first. Talk us through those two decisions. Um, correct, would you have given a red for the first already? Um, I don't think anybody's just um, debating that it should have been 
uh, two yellows anyway. But I'm just wondering, a lot of fans calling for the first one to be a red. Where do you stand on this? Uh, could well have been. I mean, the, the comparison I make is with a, another similar incident that happened at Turf Moor for Andy Carroll. Um, yeah, I think yes. he actually came in as a sub, didn't he? And he uh, he, he got a, a yellow card for an elbow and then did the same thing again uh, a couple of minutes later and got sent off. They were almost identical in terms of what was going on. So if you're going to do that, particularly when you've got booked for the first one, to do it again a second time, they, it, well, they, they didn't have a leg to stand on. Um I think it, the referee could easily have sent him off for the first one. The second one could have been a straight red as well. So uh, either way he went, it, it, it basically they were struggling anyway. Going down to ten men, they were never going to get back into the game. I don't think, and no, uh, it just made fair. it easier for him. You see, I've looked at both of these. I'm I'm actually quite happy with both of them being a yellow. Um, I, I think. I think they're on the border and I think we've talked a lot about the orange card or potentially the sin bin that's being brought in. Um, I, I think I think they're both probably yellows. Um, from a technical perspective, Rich, you're quite hot on the technical side. Can you see a stronger argument than I can for the first one or I guess the second one being a red? I thought the first one was a red card. Really? Me personally. I thought it's actually, for people on, on YouTube, he's seen the man and he's got bang and, and he's actually... Put his put his elbow into his face. I thought that was deliberate. And then if, in the case of the modern day, what people are getting sent out, sent 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 off for in terms of dangerous play and whatnot. Yeah, I thought it was a red card. I thought the second one was a yellow. The second is a bit more of a straight arm. It's not yeah. a ten. But a, but for me, there's definitely an intent in that first one. He moved his arm back with malice. Yeah. Um, well, it's but probably that, quite telling, isn't it, Rich, that if if the referee just immediately turns the red, VAR probably doesn't overturn no, it. No, no, and, and you know you've you've got an argument for both, uh, but I just think in the way, you know, the football's gone and and the threshold for red cards now, I, I did think that was one. But as soon you know, Dave mentioned Andy Cavill, and as soon as he got sent off, I turned to my dad and I said it was identical. Yeah, we well, said like, the same. I, I sit in the James Argrees upper, quite you know high at the top. And you can see, as soon as that ball went up in the air and you see McBurney running towards O'Shea, you knew what was going to happen. It was just a right on the wall. It, it was so predictable. Um, if I was a Chef United fan, I, that's something that would not want me, you know, to watch a player anymore. I thought him, he complete at uh, 2-0, knowing what Burnley are like, you know, the Archer had a great chance, which he just missed to get back 2-1. You know, that was absolutely disgraceful for McBurney. That is one of the worst pieces of professionalism I've ever yeah. seen from a player. You know, I'm not saying he should be fine wages or anything like that, but like he needs the 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 club need to really go hard on him in, in some way because he's such a critical player him, for them, isn't he? He, yeah, yeah, and you know what? He's a decent player, but he gets wrapped up in nonsense. He's just a complete div to me, to be honest. Like, but um, <laughs> yeah, just a complete. Div. He's a fog. There's, 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 there's no. There's no place for him to play like him in about football him, anymore. Just, uh, yeah. Like we've talked about Barnes and uh, you know Barnes being a little bit rookie, but we we we've never seen Barnes do anything like that no. for Burnley. Nothing, nothing like that. So yeah, for me, just well, we've seen him push a, a Blackburn defender into the which was is that yeah. a few? Uh, no, but he's not gone. Maybe and not elbows, like yeah. But well, yeah. I don't know. Do you remember Jose Mourinho? going on soccer Sunday saying that he should be arrested. I don't know either. Things like that. Um, Tom, any players? particularly, um, who stood out for you um, as very strong performances? And if not, I'm doing you and Coley Oshaw, why not? <laughs> yeah, I think I think probably it would be fair to highlight some of the players who I thought were were improved. I think I'm doing okay. and Coley Oshaw 
perhaps just with a bit more of addition and product, but we know what they're about. I think people to probably to give a bit of praise to that have had quite a lot of criticism this season would be Trafford. Um, I thought in the first half he was a lot more adventurous with his passing. He seemed a bit more confident with it. The ball's coming into the midfield as opposed to just going to the centre-halves every time. He seems to have a bit more of a range. And obviously the fact that he's been given the freedom now to go long sometimes. Um, yes, really, that made such a difference. Uh, yeah, it's really obviously lacking from our play. Because we had it last season, you know, we're not afraid to mix it up last season. You, that ball from Norwich over the top to Teller. And you're thinking this season, is it just that Trafford can't do it? But, uh, you know, he wasn't afraid. And obviously we've got two goals out of, of yep. long going over the top in the first half. It's not a... It's not something that you should have to shy away from. And there's some games this season, Man United Palace, where we've been losing and all we've been doing is passing it sideways between the centre halves. Imagine if some of them games we've just got ourselves 40, 50 yards up the yeah. pitch a bit soon and try and win the second ball. You know, it doesn't. You don't have to shy away from it. And I'm hoping that companies starting to realise that actually, you know, the, the, it, it's not necessarily a bad thing to go along sometimes. Yeah. Um, so Trafford deserves praise for that for me, and I think O'Shea as well. Um, uh, his short range passing is still terrible. I think three yeah. or four. Oh, bless him. In the second half, where he just passed it straight out for a throw in. But the ball over the top that he clipped for Brum Larson's goal. That was a superb was ball. Mm. It was. It was fantastic. Yeah. Oh, so, my God. Just pause there. That touch from Larson, by the way, for that goal. Oh, my God. I, that was just pure delight. I was going to say something yeah. else then, but it's a family friendly show. Really good. I did think, you know, at the time when I watched it, I thought, why has the keeper not come out for that? Uh, and I'm still not sure that maybe you should have, maybe you should have, but yeah, it was, I mean, it's a really difficult skill to kill it like that when it's coming over your shoulder and, and, uh, and obviously the keeper made his mind up for him, but yeah, fantastic goalies. And that was another big thing for me. Like, why that's his first start. I mean, he scored that goal against Luton and he's barely had a kick. It's just bizarre. He's great. Really, he's really great. Really weird, but hopefully now he's, uh, he does need to, some of the things that were glaringly obvious errors that companies have been making all season, he just belatedly seems to be catching up to now. So hopefully yeah. that's the one from Arsenal will get a bit more game time. Well, I think I think until Foster's well enough to return, those attacking players, those front four were just so Coley O'Shaw, Amdune, Jay and Larson were just that's I think our strongest forward attacking line at the moment. Um and Sanderberge, I mean, he facing his old side as well. I thought he put in a... That guy is incredible. Um, anybody else who particularly impressed you, Rich? Sorry, Dave, we are coming to you soon. We're going to, we are going to do a preview show soon. We're all excited because we've got to win. <laughs> Poor guy. Uh, sorry, anybody else or anything else? Any other player, anything that um, VK did that, in, that inspired you to happiness? No, I think Tom covered it really well. I think if we can see a little bit more end product from Amdouni and a little bit more decisiveness in the final third, then we really have got a top player there. But ultimately, I suppose that's why we've signed him and not one of the bigger clubs, because he's a bit, bit of an unpolished gem. Um, no, I think Tom covered it really well. I, I just think one thing now is he seems to have stumbled upon a found, whichever way you want to describe it, a bit more of a settled team. And you yeah. can see, you know, from that team that played against Palace, I think we've started the same team. I think Larson might have been the change for Gunmanson. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, each each game, we're just knitting it together. We're looking more and more like a team. People understanding people's runs, defence, playing better together. You know, yeah. and that Bayard yellow card for me, that really annoyed me at the time because he's going to miss. Yeah, tomorrow night. stupid. Completely stupid. Um, and he deserves that yellow. But yeah, like you said, Tom was like, you know, Larson, um, somebody you know. Ever since I first watched Larson, I thought he's he's got something, and uh, 
you know, he looks a real talent. And like I said, that touch, he could have just gone anywhere and it was perfectly into, he didn't have to break stride and he strolled it in. The only reason I can think of with Larson, he's either kicked a ball for 18 months, two years yeah. at, at his previous club. So has he just been nursing him back in? I don't know. But for him to not even come off the bench more seemed odd. But no, Burge and Brownell, I really doubted whether Burge could play in that position. I think I, I think we all did rather than number 10. And it sounds like he's getting his confidence back. There are still, and, and Tom will agree with me on this, there's still times with Burge, I might just play a little bit quicker. He yeah. gets the ball so well and just think, Still half a yard quicker yeah. at times. Sometimes it can be, you know, his style's very languid and relaxed and he's lovely to watch. But at times when you really want to drive, you know, like you were saying, Natalie, you know, when we're 2 0 up and you're like, you know, get that third goal, you know, really drive it forward. Uh, but no, it was just a fantastic team performance. You can't criticize anybody. I thought all the way through the pitch, we was really good. And, you know, you can see there's a big golfing class now between us and Sheffield United. Now we've you know we've beat Sheffield and Luton who came below us in yeah. the championship. And now drawn we, at Forest. Now yeah. Yeah. Now it's time to, you know, Wolves away Tuesday. Let's let's beat one of these proper established Premier League clubs and really get our season up and up and running. Yeah, definitely. Good stuff. Well, we will talk a little bit more about how we build on that when we get um, into the Wolves preview. So let's hand over, of course, to the main man himself, Dave Statman Roberts, and we're going to look at that Wolves game. Dave, before we kick off. Quiz question. We are, of course, playing Wolves away at Molyneux tomorrow night, Tuesday, the 5th of December. It's a 7.30 kickoff. Just checking my script. 7.30 kickoff. It's live on Amazon Prime. Um, what popular format are you going to give our listeners in the form of a quiz question for this episode, please, Dave? Well, any regular listeners from this season will probably be accustomed by now to our little quiz interlude, uh, which we ask you for the names of any players who've made 50 or more league appearances for both Burnley and our next opponents, in this case Wolves, between World War II and the end of last season. Uh, There are seven players to choose from this time, and this is probably your best chance to name at least one, but can anyone do better than that and name all seven? Find out before we finish at the end of the episode. You will. And Tom, Rich, um, you need to be thinking about this as well because I will come to you at the end of the show and see what you do. So let's kick us off, Dave, um, with all the key facts and stats ahead of this fixture. Starting off, please, with our match results summary. Uh, Yeah, we can confirm that Burnley have played 65 away league matches at Wolves. Most of those were at their current ground, Molyneux although the first ever league meeting between the two clubs way back in 1888, that was the first uh, season of the Football League, that was at their former home at Dudley Road. Uh, Wolves are also one of the teams we've faced in the fourth tier, having spent two seasons together in the basement division in the late 1980s, and we've also spent 22 seasons together in the second tier, and the current campaign is the 42nd season together in the top flight. Uh, 65 passed away league games at all levels have produced just 13 Burnley wins, 12 draws and 40 victories for our hosts. Although Burnley have scored 59 goals, we've conceded 137 times in those matches. Uh, In our Premier League away visits, we've managed one win, two draws and two defeats in five campaigns since 2009. Although we've also been a couple of seasons together in the Championship during this time. Okay. Next feature, please. Our one to remember and one to forget. 
you are um, going to be looking, you're basically going to be reminding us of a couple of past matches that were memorable for contrasting reasons, Dave. Kick us off, please. Uh, yeah, there have been six Burnley... I'm, I'm doing it the, the other way around this time, so we're going with the uh, one to remember <laughs> first and then the one to forget, but there's a good reason because there's a happy okay. ending on one. So. Uh, there's been six... There have been six Burnley victories in league matches at Molyneux since the start of the 1970s. And although we managed our biggest ever away victory in April 2021, that was a 4-0 win helped by a first-half hat-trick from Chris Wood. Uh, but there were no fans there to see it. Remember, that was one behind uh, closed doors and none of us were, were down there to see it. Uh, so we're going to take you back instead to the end of September 2005. Uh, the match took place in front of the Sky Sports cameras on a Friday evening, and the official away following was just 324. Wolves were in the playoff places, and Steve Cottrell's Burnley in 19th place was not expected to win. <laughs> on a balance of play, we probably shouldn't have come away with anything but a clever free kick routine, confused the home defence, and enabled Gareth O'Connor to fire in a shot from just outside the box after 23 minutes. And a resolute Burnley team, captained by Frank Sinclair, held on for the 1-0 win and all three points. This was Burnley's first victory against Wolves in any competition, home or away, in almost 19 years, ending a sequence of 11 consecutive defeats since another 1-0 win at Molyneux in September 1986. OK, match two then. I want to forget. Yes, I want to forget we're going back to the 1959-60 season. At the end of March 1960, Burnley was still in the running for the league title, but faced a tough match at rivals Wolves in a midweek match. Third place Burnley were just one point behind Wolves, with two games in hand, with both teams chasing current leaders Spurs. The home side found the net four times during a blistering first half, with just one in reply for Burnley, from Ray Pointer. Further goals in the second half and Jerry Mannion with his second of the match and Bobby Mason meant that it finished 6-1 to give Wolves an emphatic victory and a morale-boosting push towards the title. The Burnley Express went with the headline, Wolves shatter Burnley's method. And despite still having games in hand, it seemed as if the advantage had been handed to our rivals. However, there was a happy ending, as promised. And thankfully, with Spurs and Wolves both dropping points during April, we beat Manchester City 2-1 at Main Road in the very last match of the season at the start of May to bring the league title to the town of Burnley for just the second time in the club's history. Lovely stuff. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order mug delivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. 
Well, you know, we don't like to make you rely just on us listeners. We do like to share the love. This week, we got the opposition view from our friends at Wolves Fancast, who gave us those, gave us their thoughts ahead of the game. Hi, Rich from Wolves Fancast here to give you my thoughts on Wolves versus Burnley for No Nay Never. I'm really glad Burnley won at the weekend because it just means that they're not going to get that first win against Wolves. It would just be classic Wolves to, you know, lose to the side you haven't won all season. Um, that's not a dig at Burnley because I think actually quietly they haven't been playing awfully um, and have actually, you know, tried to stick to their principles and tried to build on what they're doing and not lose faith in the system and in the project, which I think is really important for any side and to you know, hold their nerve and the fact that you've sort of seen, you know, Sheffield United potentially getting rid of their manager um, and hopefully Burnley are kind of staying with company and it's going to sort of help push them forward. Um, so I think it's going to be a really exciting game from what I've seen of Burnley, play good football. Um, Wolves have evolved um, in a number of ways and the perception of them has changed in um, from the past few seasons from a team who couldn't really score a lot of goals and didn't really have a much of an identity to now we're a team who do get goals regularly and even when we can see now we look like we might get another goal and we're showing we can do that against the best teams in the league as well as teams around us in the bottom half of the table as well so I think it's going to be a really interesting game uh, the big downside for Wolves in my opinion is the self fact without Pedro Neto he's still probably the highest assist uh, contributor in the league and really drives us forward and we have missed him to a degree from results might not necessarily show it in the full part but he has been a big miss for um, this team um, Mateus Cunovo however has stepped up he's got two in his last two um, leading line really well so hopefully he can make it three goals in three games on Tuesday night now Big difference, hopefully, from when we played Arsenal is the fact we're without our two main starting midfielders in Lamina and Jao Gomez, who were both suspended. So hopefully they might come back in, give us a bit more steel in that midfield as well. And if not, we have got Tommy Doyle to provide um, a little bit more guile in the middle of the park as well um, to kind of reshape things up. Overall, I'm really excited for the game. Hopefully, after losing two on the bounce, Wolves can turn it round and get a win at home. Uh, especially as we've got Forest coming up next. But fingers crossed it's a good game and hope you all enjoy it too. Okay, referee details please, David. Uh, 37-year-old Australian-born Jared Gillett, who's now based in Liverpool, will be the referee for our visit to Molyneux on Tuesday evening. Uh, the only two previous occasions he's taken charge of a Burnley match were both at Turf Moor earlier this year for our 2-1 comeback win against West Brom in January and a goalless draw against Sunderland at the end of March. There were no red cards in either of those matches and the yellow card count was three for Burnley players and just one for our opponents. Uh, Robert Jones has the unenviable task of being the video assistant referee for this fixture. Lovely stuff. Taking all of that into account then, Tom, let's come to you first. Is there any chance that the Clarets can capitalise on that win with a second back-to-back -back wins in the Premier League this season? Can you even imagine it? Away at Wolves is possibly not the best victory wanted directly ahead of that. But as, as Rich said earlier on, there's a bit of a swagger and a bit of a confidence that's going to come from that result at the weekend. Um, do you feel confident enough that Burnley can go ahead and try and get something from Wolves? 
Um, yeah, Wolves are a bit of a funny team, aren't they? Like sometimes they look really good. Uh, I think they've already beat Man City and uh, somebody else decent at uh, Molyneux. Um, but then Spurs. Spurs, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> somebody but else then... decent. That's the most <laughs> Spursy way of saying Spurs I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, somebody yeah. decent. Oh yeah, Spurs. <laughs> We've got Spurs at a good time, I suppose. But yeah, but so they look good in some games, and then, but I mean, they lost at Sheffield United. I know there was a bit of a joke penalty. Uh, hopefully. The, the fact that VIR seems to be designed to uh, scupper Wolves' chances in the Premier League this season. Oh, my God. Yeah. I've only... Do you know, this had missed my radar recently, but my goodness, like, they've been absolutely shafted this season. Like, yeah. at what point as a Wolves fan do you go, there is absolutely a conspiracy against us this year? Uh, <laughs> I don't I don't blame any Wolves fans for going, nah, I'm not having this. So, sorry, yeah. I feel sorry for them, but I hope it, it carries on for our game. <laughs> is um, this not is this not the ultimate decider? Given that the Premier League and VAR generally hates Burnley, will we be the one to break the VAR Wolves curse? Maybe, <laughs> that, maybe that will happen. They'll get a decision against us. Sorry, that's why I've got a few goals disallowed each. Yeah. No, I think so. I think Wolves are they're not they're beatable. I think um, it's it's quite hard to judge because I think. Sheffield United were just so bad. They're just such a poor team. It, it's yeah. pretty hard to say. And you can only beat what's put in front of you. And, and it's not as if we just nicked it. We, we've backed them. We, we've beaten them very convincingly. So hopefully there's some confidence there. But I, I think it's pretty telling that the only teams we've beaten so far are the, are the, 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 the other two that people think are going to go down with us. Um, we haven't really laid a glove on anyone who looks like they're going to be anywhere near staying up this season yet. Um so it's kind of hard to predict a win. Um, I think if we if we could show that we've got enough about us to go and grind some points out away from home, even if we can get a draw in this game, you know, I think there's going to be points where we're going to be under the cosh a bit. I think we know that we're not very good defensively and we're missing probably our best defender for this game as well. I don't think there's a chance he's going to bring Murich in. I don't think there's a chance we're going to see Roberts. And I think they're better defenders. So you'd have to say that you'd fancy Wolves to to cause some problems in this game. So if we can show that we can stand up for that and, and perhaps be a bit more clinical ourselves, before the game on Saturday, I think we were maybe the lowest or the joint lowest scorer in the league. So to, to wrap five five different goal scorers out for that, give mm. the forward players a bit of confidence. Hopefully it'll mean that we're a bit a bit more adept in taking what, what chances we create down there. Um, I'd be delighted if we got a point, I think. Me too. Um, mm. Yeah, I think that that's... Just that's something we need as a team, you know. That West Ham game, when we concede that late equaliser, just don't concede again, you know. That it's that kind of thing. Just need a bit more resilience. Um, they were really fighting for that clean sheet on Saturday. Not that it was tested too much, but hopefully that's some confidence for the defence and, and for the goalkeeper especially as well. So yeah, yeah you know, it, the next two away games are, are tricky. I think if we got one or two points, even a win out of, out of one of them, I'd be more than happy with that. The big game coming up is Everton at home. If we don't win that then we're going to be in real trouble. Um, but yeah, let's, another good performance I'd be happy with. And let's, if we can get something, if we can grind out a point, great. If we can get three, fantastic. Um, let's have a little bit of momentum going into that Everton game. I think that's the that's the one I'm really yeah. looking at. Yeah. I think that's a really fair point, is that, Rich? I think there's a couple of things there that from the weekend that, that particularly pleased me. And Tom's already like... Um, push them a little bit to the front of the agenda. And it wasn't just the determination to keep a clean sheet. It was the way that they turned the screw when it went to, there was a point at two nil where 
I thought that they'd taken the foot off the gas and they'd considered that the game was won. And I think we've talked a lot about potentially mental um, application to games by this side. I think there was a point where O'Shea managed to probably walk the ball from our penalty spot right the way to the halfway line. And, and neither a Burnley or Sheffield United player even like challenged in. They were like, yeah, okay, mate, whatever, go ahead. And I remember saying at the time that I wanted to see us get clinical and get ruthless in a game because you're not presented with that opportunity very much in the Premier League. And they did that and that's when they killed off the game and they went for the 5-0. So though, taking those two elements, the determination to keep a clean sheet and that um, fierceness about them to, to, to kill the game off, that to me is the strongest sign that I've seen that we might be developing that resilience and that mental strength. Is that what we need? Is that enough to try and grind out a result away at Wolves or do we need more? Yeah, I think Tom hit the nail on the head. I think at times in any level of football, you've got to be able to just grind out points. Um, I think, to be fair, you know, we did that at Luton uh, and, and I think there was times last season, you know, we we, we didn't just win 2 3 4 nil every week last year. You know, we did keep clean sheets, obviously, albeit against weaker opposition. But there's going to be times... You know, in tomorrow's game, where we're going to be under, you know, under pressure, where we've got to stay tight as a unit, we've got to be willing to put our bodies on on the line, and yeah, I'm, you know, I am confident we can, you know, we can get something tomorrow. As Tom, the thing is with us, realistically, we're going to go into the vast majority of games not being the favourites to win this year. So at some point, you're going to have to pick wins up somewhere. Yeah. I'd, if somebody offered it now, I wouldn't mind a draw, but I think. I think you know we we you know we can win, and at some point, if we need to stay up, we are going to wait have to win some of these away games against some, of, especially against some of the bottom half teams. As you know, as we said, you know, Sheffield United were so poor against against us, but they got four points against our next two opposition. So there's no reason why we can't pick something up from you know from yeah, these games really before Everton. Um, yeah. It's a blow, as we mentioned before about Bayer. It's a blow missing him. It does soften the blow having Ekdal. Coming back in, if we had to bring Alda Keel back in or Delquire back in, I'd 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 be very, I'd have very little confidence if I'm being honest going into this game. So that's a real big positive for us. And I think the more Jay's playing, the more he's getting up to debt, up to speed with the Premier League again. Listen, he's not as good as Foster, and he's not the player he was, which you wouldn't expect. Um, and and hopefully having that more of a settled lineup can give us a you know a good opportunity. I think everyone's in more positive spirits. If we get a draw, great. If we win, you kind of feel right. You know what? The season's turning a little bit. But if it turns into tomorrow another typical Berlin performance where we lose 2 1, 3 1, or 2 0, and we give away some sloppy goals, it'll just be like, oh, bloody hell, back to ground yeah. dog day. And that Chef U game will be quickly forgotten because that's the nature of football. You know, you go on that emotional roller coaster a lot, you know, a lot of the time, um, as, as we quite know with one of our fellow podcasters who's not here tonight. Uh, that you can have that, <laughs> that journey. Yeah, so, the, gosh, the the, the emotional roller coaster we have with that that's one. That's it. My God. So, um, <laughs> my initial thoughts is I'm not confident, but I'm hopeful. What do you do about then? What do you do about this? Obviously, we've got a force change with Bayer being out. What do you keep the rest of the? Yeah, keep the same, listen. Keep the same team. I, I'm he, he had a better game. I'm still of the opinion that eventually I would like Ekdal to come in for O'Shea. Yes, agree. Um. I think obviously he's slightly getting better, but I don't think he's good enough for this level. Um, in in you know it's all well and good playing against Sheffield United, but he makes too many mistakes for me, gives the ball away too much, and you know there were still times in that second half against Sheffield United where we give sloppy ball away, uh, yeah. you know, and, and and you get punished against the better teams. But as long as Brun Larson can play, can start two games, 
in you know in in a short space of time, then I say it's the same team. And I think because we was in a comfortable position, we was able to get him off early enough to hopefully he can recover. And that was a bonus to score and them extra goals. We was able to get Collie Osho off, Amdouni off. So hopefully they're fresh for Tuesday. And Larson as well. Yeah, and yeah, that's what I mentioned. And Larson. And, and so yeah, fingers crossed. First off for me, obviously, other than Ekdal coming in for O'Shea, yeah, this this the same team, and hopefully that continuity will uh, you know will reap its rewards. Fine. Score prediction, Tom. Uh, heart says two one Burnley. Head says two one Wolves probably. Well, you have to pick one. You're not sitting on the fence. I'll right, we'll go with the heart then. Two one Ben. Yay, well done. Rich. <laughs> I'm the same as Tom. <laughs> I'm the same as Tom's initial prediction. No, no listen, Dave, you, you're like cloning Dave every single time we do a preview show with you lot. This politician over here never gives me a straight answer and sits on fence. Okay, fine then. Two, two first time ever Burnley's had two back to back five nil victories in the Premier League. <laughs> oh, I love that so much. <laughs> And that will be the clip that we will put on our social media. <laughs> Thank you, Rich. Much appreciated. Dave, come on. Can we do it two in a row? Give us a prediction. We could, but I think a draw is more likely. I'm going for 1-1. One, one. Fine. Whatever. To be fair, that was what I was going to go for. I'm going to stick with Dave. Um, surprisingly enough, we do tend to, to follow the same pattern of each other. I'm also going for a 1-1 one, one draw as well. C next podcast who is right okay Dave finish off the preview show section please by digging deep into those pockets of yours and treating our delightful 5-0 winning clarets to your miscellaneous stats of the week well there were loads I could have gone with this time there was a, a, a plethora of, of possibilities in terms of a uh, plethora positive. of possibilities that is and now you've just given us the title of the podcast you're all doing my job for me tonight this is amazing thank you <laughs> Uh, plenty of choice for, for positive stats, but the one I've gone for relates to the early goal. Uh, modern technology means that Jay Rodriguez's opening goal on Saturday was timed at exactly 15.8 seconds. And he's just about the quickest score by a Burnley player in almost 6,000 past matches. In fact, I suspect there may have been one or two of you still find your way to your seats when the ball hit the back of the net. Uh, to my knowledge, the other two main challengers to the fastest ever Burnley goal are uh, Robbie Painter, whose goal against Cardiff City at Turf Moor in April 1992 was reported at 16 seconds, and John Kennelly against Nottingham Forest, again at Turf Moor in March 1961, which was reported as being 15 seconds. Lovely stuff. Well, there you go, listeners. It is time to test Statman Dave's knowledge is either be all and end all. Is either the man of all the stats? Do you know of any Burnley goal that is quicker? That's what I challenge you this week. And um, that is all we've got time for the preview show. A reminder, please, um, that the uh, midweek round of Premier League matches, which are all being broadcast live by Amazon Prime, are designated as brand new game week for FPL purposes. As such, the FPL deadline will be six pm on Tuesday evening for you to make as many transfers or tweak your starting eleven or play any of those special magic beans that you've got. And a message from Adam, green arrows to all of our known and ever FPL managers. Dave, quiz question. We're going to give out some answers. Rich, Tom, did either of you get any of the seven players who have played more than 58 games for both Burnley and Wolves since the end of World War II? I've got four written down. Wow. Tom, how many do you have? I had uh, I had three that I was sure of. 
Right, well, let's... Right, well, let... Because Rich has got four. Let's have your... One of your four. I'm pretty sure on three of them. So the one I'm definitely sure on is Michael Kitely. Yes, surely. Did you have that, Tom? I did, yeah. Okay, who else is on your list, Tom? Uh, Steve Kinden. Ooh. Yep. So he's not on your list. Excellent. Okay. Uh, Rich, who's on yours? Um, I've gone with David Jones. Yep. Excellent. Did you have him, Tom? That was my other one, yeah. Yeah. So that's your three, isn't it, Tom? You had. Mm. So go on, Rich. You carry on. Keep the floor. I've gone Chris Iwalumo. Nope, not on the list. Uh, oh. And then the other Didn't one I had down was Stan Volks. Yes, surely. Uh, no, he didn't play. Didn't play not? that many for, uh, for Wolves. There you go. Then he, he went to, when he was at Wolves, he was out on loan quite a bit, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah the journeyman. Oh, yeah. I do like it when we manage to see. I love you, Rich. You've managed to just bring Sam Volks into a one that he had no business being in. I love it. Uh, you're, my, you're my new yeah. favorite. You're my new favorite. So well, I fill in the gap. Yes, please. <laughs> so the ones you haven't mentioned uh, were uh, Kevin McDonald. Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, John Pender. Uh, Stephen Ward. Oh, Ward. oh, of course. And finally, Paul Cook was the other one. Oh, they're good answers. Excellent. Well done. Well, if any of our listeners got all seven, that would be a very impressive list. Um, I'm going to say people didn't because there's a few on there that you thought would be on there that weren't. But that's an excellent question. Thank you, Dave. That is all we've got time for, listeners. Thank you for sticking with us. Um, we hope you've enjoyed our first um, home win of the season podcast. Will we finish it off um, the week with, well, actually, will we get nine points this week? Who knows? Stick with us this week. We will be back with a preview show ahead of the weekend's fixture where we'll go over that away tie at Wolves. Um, for all of you travelling to Molyneux tonight, I think we're getting this out on a Tuesday, um, Godspeed to you all. And please do enjoy the feeling that comes off a back-to-back victory. And let's hope for another goal after 14 seconds. Um, get to your seats nice and early because you never know. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to go before I lose my voice, listeners, because it's declining as the podcast is going. Um Thank you to our contributors to this show, to, of course, um, Rich and Tom in the studio, our panellists who've given us their thoughts after that um, game at the weekend. And, of course, to Dave Statman-Roberts, who puts in a phenomenal amount of work getting the stats and facts together. And thanks to Wolves Fancast for their opposition view, our friends over down at Wolves. Um, that is all we've got time for. I've been Natalie Bromley. This has been the preview show brought to you by the Known and Never podcast. Until next time. The Known and Ever podcast is brought to you in association with the TalkSport Fan Network. Our host and editor is Natalie Bromley and the show is produced by Matt Moss. Our resident statistician is Dave Roberts and our FPL expert is Adam Dennett. The analysis show team is collectively Tom Whitaker, Rich Steele, George Poole, Charlotte Rigby and Adam Dennett. Our music is provided by George Gaskell and our newsletter team is headed up by Jamie Smith. If you don't already, you can subscribe to our newsletter by visiting nonenever.substack.com. Thanks as ever go to our partners, TalkSport. We are proud to be associated with the TalkSport Fan Network. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, 
When it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.